glory, glory, glory. Would you raise your hands one more time and just say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for his glory, glory, glory in this house. Aren't you glad that we're serving a mighty God? We're serving a powerful God. We are serving a mighty, powerful God. And Jesus is his name. You may be seated for just a few moments, not too long. But I want to say thank you for your giving. You that have given, I pray that God will give back to you as ever said before, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, and then a whole lot more. Amen. I'm ready to preach. I'm sitting already. I'm sitting already. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. But let me ask you a question. It's stirring in my heart right about now. Have you ever received a definite word from God? Maybe in your private time of devotion. Maybe in your time of seeking the Lord. Maybe a prophetic word was spoken over you by a man of God, a woman of God. The word of the Lord came to you saying this will happen. This would take place. This would transpire. And when you heard the word of the Lord, you believed that word. Yes, somehow the days, the weeks, the months, even the years begin to go by, and you don't see that word come to pass. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, know this. If God has not put a period behind that word, if he's not put an expiration date upon that word, don't you either. Now, I started traveling as an evangelist in April of 1973. And in 1974, I went on my very first missions trip. I went to the Dominican Republic, the Republic of Dominicana, known as the DR. I went there for two weeks, and I stayed for 10 months. I could do it back in those days because in those days I was single. I had no wife, so therefore I had no bills. Come on now. And I went to the Dominican Republic for two weeks. As I said, I stayed for 10 months. And God helped us. There were five single evangelists. We were both young in the Lord, but we had a burning fire shut up within our bones. Hallelujah. And after 10 months, the Lord spoke to me on a Tuesday and said, Son, I want you to fly home tomorrow. No, I now live in the beautiful state of Virginia in the mountains. I'm a hillbilly. Woo! I got one shout, hallelujah. One shout, one holy grunt. Come on down. I now live in Virginia, but originally I'm from the Holy Land. I am. Alabama. But after 10 months in the Dominican Republic, the Lord says, son, I want you to fly home tomorrow on Wednesday. I said, Lord, I can't do it. He said, why not? I said, Lord, I'm broke. Do we get a witness? He said, fly tomorrow. I said, my Lord, I've got no money. He said, what does that have to do with it? Go home tomorrow. I said, my Lord, they don't give free airline tickets. I want you to go home tomorrow. But I said, Lord, I can't do it. I can't do it. And all day long, he said, fly home tomorrow. Fly home tomorrow. Well, that night, I went to a small Dominican church. And the pastor, Brother Emmanuel Ogin, said, Brother Daddy, would you come and just bring the word of the Lord? I started going to the platform, and all of a sudden, his wife got up, Sister Maria. 
She stopped me halfway to the platform and said, Brother Danny, this is for you. She gave me a small brown paper bag. Well, I put it in my back pocket. I forgot about the brown paper bag. I preached tonight. It was a great service. I get back to the room that night. And the Lord says, so like I was sent earlier, I want you to fly home tomorrow. I said, but Lord, I'm broke. He said, no, you're not. I said, yes, I am. Lord, I've got no money. He said, yes, you do. I said, Lord, if I've got the money, help me out, please. Where is the money? He said, it's in the bag. <laughs> Guess what? Your answer is in the bag. Your miracle is in the bag. Come on, shout amen. I forgot about that small brown paper bag, Brother Rick. I reached in my back pocket and I pulled out that small brown paper bag. Looked inside and guess what was there? Some money. I counted the money. It was $189. And I said, Lord, he said, yes. I called the airlines. I said, how much does it cost to fly from Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic, to Montgomery, Alabama? Guess how much it was, church? Take a guess. No, $188.50. Come on now. I said, Lord, why the extra 50 cents? He said, because I'm the God of more than enough. <laughs> and I called the Holy Ghost, Mama. I said, Mother dear, I said, I'm flying home tomorrow. I'll be there. We're arriving at 7 o'clock on Wednesday night. She said, I'll pick you up. And so she picked me up at the airport. And then she said, no, son. I said, yes, mother dear. She said, now this is Wednesday night. It's church night. I'm going to church. I can drop you off the house and go with me. I said, well, mama, I've been in some great Spanish churches for 10 months. I need some good old Southern English churches. And so we left the airport and get to the church. And I did not know that night that a special guest speaker, a prophet of God, not a non-prophet, but a prophet of God, a real, true, genuine prophet of God. We got in late that night and they were having the great song service. People were singing and magnifying God. And back in those days, the ministers sat on those big old platform chairs. Remember those chairs? He was sitting there and the people praising and magnifying God. And I come walking in and all of a sudden his eye caught my eye. My eye caught his eye. He stands up. He says, stop everything. Stop the music. Stop it. He looks back at me and says, you, young man, long time ago. You, slender young man. Now don't even go there. Come on now. And he begins to prophesy the word of the Lord. He said, the Lord told me you just came back from an extended missions trip. And God used you. God bless you. You're young in the Lord. You're young in the ministry. He said, but God said, there's a whole lot more because you're going to go forth to the four corners of this world and preach the gospel. You go to India. I've been there. You go to China. I've been there. You go to Canada. I've been there. You go to Japan. I've been there. You go here. I've been there. He begins to name a bunch of places. He said, you go there and lift up the name of the Lord. So get ready, get ready, get ready to go. And one more thing, and you will go to Nicaragua and make a difference in that country. I was saying, bless God, I'll probably be leaving this weekend for Nicaragua. <laughs> Even though I can't spell it, I'm going there. Well, there's a 1975, guess what, throughout the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, 
and so forth, and I want all those countries the man of God mentioned. But remember this, if the Lord does not put an expiration date on your, of that word, don't you either. And Pastor Rick, God has spoken many things over Shady Oaks Church. Yeah. Hear me, people of God, God has spoken the word over you. And if God said it, he'll do it. If he spoke it, it will come to pass. And here was in 2014. And I said, Lord, Lord, the man of God got everything right, but he did miss it concerning Nicaragua. God Almighty is my witness. God is my witness. All of a sudden, I get a text. Here's where the text was from. Nicaragua. And a friend of mine was there holding a crusade. And he asked the missionary, he said, uh, you never told me how did you get saved? The missionary by the name of Ed Cook says, well, it was February the 9th, 1999. I left my home in Michigan. I was driving on my way to Florida. I was an alcoholic. I was a drug addict. I just gone through divorce. I was facing bankruptcy. I was suicidal. My life was a mess. And I stopped off in Alpharetta, Georgia on the interstate. Filling up with gas, I looked across the road. I saw a small church there. And I said to myself, I haven't been to church in many, many years. I need help. So he comes to church that night. He's telling my friend the story. He said that night I came in to the church. It was a missions convention. He said that night I got gloriously saved. He said that night I got saved. He said I cannot remember the name of the church. I cannot remember the name of the pastor. But I got to say that the next day I went back to Michigan. I got established in a local church, got filled with the Holy Ghost. Several months later, I went to Bible college. God gave me a beautiful wife, a bride. We traveled over the world in over 20 nations and won over a half a million people to the Lord. And two years ago, we came to Nicaragua for a crusade, and God told us to stay here as missionaries in this great land. He said, I remember the name of the church. I don't remember the name of the pastor, but I remember the name of that evangelist because he made me so stinking mad. <laughs> My friend says, how's that? Because all night long he kept saying, if you don't get right with God, you're going to hell, going to hell, going to hell, going to hell. He said that night I got gloriously saved. My friends, well, who was the evangelist? He said, I know his name, but I can never find out where he was from. What's his name? His name is Danny Johnston. Woo! My friend, the people of the church, they perked up. My friend pulled out his phone, showed him a picture. He said, is that the one? He said, that's him, that's him, that's him, that's him. And then my friend sends me a text, were you in Alpharetta, Georgia? February the 9th, 1999, I pulled up my daytime records. Now I was at Alpharetta one time and one time only, doing part of a missions convention. And I had my notation there. One person got saved. You never know what happened to that one person. I texted him back. I said, yes, I was. He said, do you FaceTime? I said, yes, I do. And about a minute later, here they were. I'll show you the picture later, Brother Rick. And they were FaceTiming me. And the missionary, Ed Cook, he was saying, I found you, found you, found you, found you. He said, brother, will you pray about coming to Nicaragua? 
I went a few months later in 2015. I said, pray about Nicaragua. Yes. I said, brother, I've been praying about Nicaragua for 40 years. Come on, shout amen. We've gone there again and again and again. We're planning to go back again, the Lord willing. Hallelujah. And I've got a word for you, Shady Oaks Church. God has spoken over you and you and you. But I'm here to say this. You can mark it down. You can take it to the bank because my God, your God, our God is faithful and true in every prophetic word that's been spoken over this church. It shall come to pass. Let hell rise up. Let hell rage. It doesn't matter. Hell rages because we can trust the ancient of days. Hallelujah. If you believe that, raise your hands up high and shout amen, amen, amen. Oh, glory to God. Woo, don't you love the Lord? I feel a Holy Ghost shout coming on. Hallelujah, somebody. Well, how many of you love the Lord? Shout amen. amen. How many of you love the word of the Lord? Shout a bigger amen. amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Would you turn with me, please, tonight to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53. That's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Isaiah. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1, and also verses 4 and 5. And would you stand with me, please, for the reading of God's holy word? That's one of the things I love to do, to stand for God's word. In the book of Ezra, the Bible tells us they stood in the rain for 11 hours as the word of God was being read. We have difficulty standing for just a few moments, but on respect to the word of God. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1, then drop it down to verses 4 and 5. Who hath believed a report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Now, verses 4 and 5. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we that esteem him stricken smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. But he was wounded for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. His report says, I am healed. His report says, I'm healed. Do you believe that? Come on, shout amen. Father God, we thank you for your holy word. Your word is life-giving. Your word is life-changing. Father, I believe tonight because of your word, we'll be stirred, we'll be challenged, we'll be blessed. But Father God, above all things, we will be changed. We thank you now. we bless you. And all of God's people said together, amen. That sounded good. You better say it again. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated if you can. His report says, I am healed. Now look at verse 1 again. The prophet Isaiah writes these words. Who has believed a report. And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed. You see in scripture, the arm of the Lord is speaking of the spirit of the Lord. The power of the Lord. The anointing of the Lord. But who is the arm of the Lord revealed? It's, believe, it's revealed to those who believe his report. Yeah. Now, what is the report of the Lord? The report of the Lord is everything from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21. And I believe the word of Almighty God. The Bible tells us who has believed our report in church. Guess what? 
I believe his report. I've got some friends of mine in San Antonio, here in your great state, Steve and Becky Fender. They pastored for many years, Living Way Church. And a number of years ago, Becky was attacked by the wicked one. And she had a huge, huge cancerous mass behind the left eye. And they could not really go in and operate, could not do surgery. And the doctor told Becky, it's getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. There's nothing we can do. But every day, Becky would look into that mirror and she'd see the puffing and swelling she knew was behind the left eye. And the devil says, you're going to die because the doctors have said it's getting worse. There's nothing they can do. And this went on day after day after day, week after week. And one day she would look in the mirror and the hell began to say, you're going to die. There's nothing they can do. But all of a sudden she heard a voice. That still small voice said, but who's a part are you going to believe? And Becky said, all of a sudden, out of the depths of her spirit, these words came up out of her and says, I shall believe the report of the Lord. Again, the Lord said, whose report are you going to believe? And Becky said, I shall believe the report of the Lord. Then Becky's a great singer, a great songwriter. And Becky turned around, went to the next room and sat down and wrote the words of this song. We've sung many times before. Whose report are you going to believe? What is it? We shall believe the report of the Lord. And every day for over a month, one hell would say you're going down. Big would say, but I believe the report of the Lord. Church, let us believe what God Almighty has to say. And after one month, the doctor said, Becky, I don't know what's happened, but the cancer is gone. You're healed, you're healed, you're healed. He said, what happened? She said, I believe the report of the Lord. We're healed, the Bible tells us. And by his stripes we're healed, Isaiah said. The apostle Peter said, and by whose stripes ye were healed. Is anybody here familiar with a woman of days gone by by the name of Betty Baxter, anybody? Let me tell you about Betty Baxter. Many, many years ago, Betty Baxter was born with all kinds of physical problems, internally as well as external problems. And the doctors of the day, the special of the day, the specialists did not give her a good report. She has so many problems, so many. They said her, condition, her conditions are hopeless, incurable. She would never, never get better. And listen to that again. They said her conditions are hopeless, incurable. She would never get better. Her body was so messed up. And talking about just the external problems, her little body was like a pretzel, so bent out of shape, so bent and twisted, so deformed. Not talking about the internal, but just the externals. Her body was so twisted and bent. And the doctor said, it's impossible, it's incurable, she'll never get better. Oh, but thank God one day. I said, thank God one day. Betty Baxter's godly mother was reading the word of God. And all of a sudden, a portion of God's word, it literally leaped off the page to her. It came alive to her. It was not a large portion of scripture. In fact, it was not even an entire verse of scripture, but rather, it was the last eight words of Mark chapter 9, verse 23. And the last eight words of Mark chapter 9, verse 23 reads like this. All things are possible to him that believeth. She saw those words. She said, oh God, but does this apply to my bed is healing? And the Lord spoke back those eight words. All things are possible to him 
that believeth. But a God, the doctors and the specialists, they've all said her conditions are hopeless, incurable. She will never get better. But the Lord spoke back those eight words to her again. If thou, oh, if thou canst believe all things impossible. Come on, somebody. Well, to make the story, the testimony short, something happened. The following Sunday afternoon, the Lord Jesus himself appeared to Betty Baxter, who never walked in her life, whose feet had never, never touched the floor for any reason. But Jesus appeared to her, and he stretched out his hands of love and compassion. He stretched out his hands of authority and might and touched that little girl, and when it instantly, she was made whole from top to bottom within him. Why? Because all things are possible to him that believeth. Come on, shout Amen. I said those eight words made a difference. I said those eight words made a difference. But hear me, church, you don't even need eight words. Perhaps what you need is seven words. In Luke chapter 7, verse 14, Jesus spoke seven words. Young man, I say unto thee, arise. Well, hear me, you don't even need seven words. Perhaps what you need is Six words. In John chapter 4, verse 50, Jesus spoke six words. Go thy way, thy son liveth. Well, hear me. Perhaps you don't even need six words. First question is five words. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 3, Jesus spoke five words. I will be thou clean. Well, hear me. Perhaps you don't even need five words. Perhaps what you need is four words. In Matthew chapter oh yeah, 12, verse 13, Jesus spoke four words. Stretch four thy hand. Well, hear me. You don't even need four words. Perhaps what you need is three words. In John chapter 11, verse 43, Jesus spoke three words. Lazarus, come forth. Well, hear me. Perhaps you don't even need three words. Perhaps what you need is just two words. In Luke chapter 8, verse 54, Jesus spoke two words. Made a ride. Oh, but hear me now. You don't even need two words. Friends, what all you need is just one word because one word from the Almighty can turn your situation around. One word from the Almighty can break every chain. One word from the Almighty can heal every sickness and disease. One word. From Matthew chapter 8, verse 32, Jesus spoke to the demon spirits that had the men possessed speaking just one word. Go. Oh, let me tell you, there's power in the word. Come on, shout amen, somebody. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the word. His report says, we're healed. I said, we are healed. But how do you know it's for us? Because our God has not changed. People may change and programs may change. Ministers and ministries are apt to change. But guess what? Our God changes not. I said, our God changes not. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 declares, For I am the Lord, and I change not. Hebrews 13, verse 7 declares, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the same. I said, he is the same. Exodus chapter 15, verse 26, the Lord says, For I am the Lord that healeth thee. He didn't say, I was. He didn't say, I will be. He said, for I am. I am. Church, what he was, he is right now. What he will be, he is right now. The eternal past and the eternal future of our great God is real. In the here and now, he's a right now God. Come on, shout amen. He is the same, the same, the same. He's the same 
mighty God who said, let there be light. And there was light. He's the same God that knocked over the walls of Jericho and put to flight Israel's foe. He's the same one that sent down fire on the top of Mount Carmel. He's the same one opened the waters of the Red Sea for Israel. He's the same one that stopped the sun and the strikes for Joshua. Ooh. Can I take a rabbit trail for just a moment? Come on out. I said, he's the same one that stunned the sun and strikes for Joshua. Now, where I live in Virginia, up there next to me is Franklin County, Virginia. Has anybody ever heard of Franklin County, Virginia? What is Franklin County? A few hands. Anybody else? Have you, seen, have you heard of Franklin? Raise your hands up high. One, two. Anybody else? Three guys moving. Hallelujah. But I live next to Franklin County, Virginia, and Franklin County is the moonshine capital of the world. Maybe you saw that television series sometime back called Moonshiners. Well, Franklin County, where I live up there, is the moonshine capital of the world. And a number of years ago, a good friend of mine, Judge Wolf, he was on the bench that day, and this one guy comes before him for moonshining. I don't know how I got up on this, but here it is. He comes before Judge Wolf for moonshining. And Judge Wolf looks down there and sees the charge moonshining and sees the guy's name. The guy was Joshua. Well, Judge Wolf is a born-again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking, word-centered saint of God. He knows the word. He looks down there moonshining and sees the guy's name is Joshua. And Judge Wolf says, are you the Joshua that made the sun stand still? He said, no, sir. I was the Joshua that made the moonshine still. Come on now. <laughs> But I mean, he's the same God. He's the same God. Come raise your hands up high. Guess what? If God did it before, he'll do it again. If he did it for one, he will do it for another one. He is the mighty God. He is the mighty God. Who are you going to believe? Church, I believe with thus saith the Lord. I believe God's word said it, and that settles the issue. If you believe it, shout, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. Our God has not changed. He's still the great healer. He is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. He is the bomb of Gilead. He is the great physician. If you believe that, come on, shout. I'm a believer. But not only is our God has not changed, but mark this down. Healing is the will of God. I said healing is the will of God. Some people say, well, don't you think we should pray, Lord, if it be your will, heal this one? No, don't pray like that, because that is unbelief. Because God's will is his word, and his word is his will. That settles it. It is the will of God. I said, it is the will of God for all of mankind to be healed. He paid the price for our forgiveness of sins. We can be born again, but also he paid the price for our healing, our health, and physical restoration. It is the will of God. Now, in Matthew chapter 8, Mark chapter 1, and Luke chapter 5, we find the same story. It's the story of a leper. Now, let's notice Matthew's account. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 2, the Bible tells us, And behold, a leper came before the Lord and fell down before him and began to worship him. He did what? He came before the Lord and began to what? Worship him. Come on, say that word, worship. Say it again, worship. I thought the man was a leper. He needed healing. He did. But he knew how to come before the Lord the right way. We barred to his presence and gimme, gimme, gimme. My name is Jimmy. <laughs> but let us come the right way, enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts of praise. 
in the holy of holies, the secret place with worship. But the Bible tells us there in Matthew chapter 8, verse 2, and behold, the leper came before the Lord Jesus and fell down before him, knelt before him, and began to worship him. And they said, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. In other words, the leper said, Lord, if it be your will, if it be your will, you can cleanse me. But I love the next verse. Verse 3 says, and Jesus put forth his hand and touched him. Beloved, you don't need my hand, but you need his hand. Not my touch, but his touch. Verse 3, and Jesus put forth his hand and touched him and said, I will be thou clean. And immediately the man was cleansed of his leprosy. I love that. He said, Lord, if you will. And Jesus said, I will. I love that. Another version puts it like this. And the leper said, Lord, if you want to. And Jesus answered and said, I want to. Aren't you glad he wants to? Come on. It is the will of God to heal. Not only has our God not changed. Not only is healing the will of God. But guess what? There's healing in the word. I said there's healing in the word. Come on, church. I said there's healing in the word of God. I mean, from Genesis to Revelation, there's like a mighty river flowing, a river of healing. And the Bible tells us wherever the river flowed, it brought life and healing. Now, how many books are in the Old Testament? Come on, Bible scholars. How many books? Tell me now. 39 books in the Old Testament. Why is that? Because these 39 were 39 books that pointed to the coming of a healing Jesus. Why is that so important? Because there are 39 categories of sickness and disease that's mentioned in the Old Testament. Why is that so important? Because the National Health Association tells us there are 39 categories of sickness and disease in this world. Christian history does it that Jesus received what? 39 stripes upon his back for you. What you said, I'm talking about, and by his stripes you were healed. Come on, somebody. There's healing in the Word of God. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 22, for they, talking about the words of God, the sayings of God, for they are life out of those that find them in health. I know it's medicine to all the flesh. That's healing the word. But I'm sad to say this, but most of God's people, they don't know what God's word has to say. They don't shout me down. I said most people don't know what God's word has to say. But Psalms 119 verse 11 says, Thy word have, from the, have I kept on the coffee table to leave for church. No. The word have I kept in the back seat until I get to church. No, but the psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 11, Thy word have I hid in my heart. You're so involved with other things. It's time to get into the word, eat the word, live the word, breathe the word, talk the word, meditate the word, confess the word, and do the word. Because there's healing in the word of God. I was in a Christian television program sometime back in Huntington, West Virginia. And the pastor said we were discussing the, the subject of healing. And he asked me the question. He said, Brother Danny, can you recommend some good, good books on healing to the listening audience? I said, I can recommend a few. He said, why don't you just recommend a few books? I said, I know there's some good ones out there. Let me think for just a moment. I said, oh, yes. 
There's some good books. He said, well, just tell us what some good books. I said, there's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Joshua, Ruth, Samuel, Kings, Ephraim, Nehemiah, and went on down the line. Come on now. I'm talking about this word, the word of God. There's, in, there's healing in all 66 books of the Bible. There's healing in the 1,189 chapters of the Bible. There's healing in every one of the 54,962 oh, verses in the Bible. There's, oh, there's healing in every one of the 773 3,692 words in the Bible. I said there's healing in every one of the 3,566,480 words, letters in the Bible. Woo, can somebody shout amen? I don't have time. Yes, you do. You need to get on Facebook and get your face in the book. Come on now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. There's healing in the word of God. There's healing in the word of God. I said, there's healing in the word of God. Come on, somebody. There's healing in the word of God. If you believe that, raise your hands up high and shout, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. Hallelujah, I'm a believer. A number of years ago, I was ministering in Stedman, North Carolina, outside of Fayetteville, North Carolina. It was on a Sunday morning. And I preached that Sunday morning on Christ the Healer. Give an altar call for people to come to the front and receive healing. And one lady by the name of Renee comes up there. I mean, she was stooped over, barely making it, but she got to show us to the front. And I said, well, good morning. She said, good morning. I said, what do you need? She said, I don't know. I've never been to this church before. I was going to my church this morning, the Episcopal Church. But as I was driving by here, something told me, you need to come to this church today. I said, well, Renee, what do you need? She said, I need to receive what you talked about, healing. I said, what's going on? She said, I've got lupus in MS. I've got lupus in MS and all kinds of problems in my body. And I said, well, Renee, do you believe that Jesus is the healer? She said, you've been talking about it. And I said, but yeah, I believe it because I read what you're reading for the Word of God. And I said, well, okay. And I started to pray for her. The Lord said, don't touch her. Don't touch her. Don't touch her. I said, Lord, I'm praying for everybody else. He said, yeah, but don't touch her. I said, Lord, what do you he said, have her begin to praise me. Have her begin to praise me. She's probably 81, 82 years of age. I said, oh, Lord. He said, have her begin to praise me. I said, Renee, yes. I said, you want to receive your healing? Yes. I said, well, begin to praise the Lord. Do what? I said, begin to praise him. Because he inhabits our praise. Begin to praise him. Begin to praise him. I mean, what do I say? I said, just out of your heart, whatever you want to say. You want to say, praise the Lord. You may say, thank you, Jesus. You may say, glory to God. You may say, you're a wonderful Lord. You may say, uh, hot dog Jesus. I don't know. I said, but just, just begin to praise him. That little old lady there, Renee, started saying, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Pray. I said, louder. Praise the Lord. A lot of praise the Lord. I said, come on, Renee. Lift your voice up again and really praise you. Praise the Lord. And I said, come on, don't stop. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. I mean, she started raising that voice. I said, come on, church. Begin to praise God with this little lady right now. The whole church begin to shout out the praises of God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You're wonderful, my God. Hallelujah. 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 And Renee, she was praising God. And all of a sudden, the power of God hit that little lady. She was halfway stooped over a all of a sudden she stood up Whoa! she said I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed oh come on somebody I'm talking about this healing for you here's a voice says I'm healed if you believe that raise your hands up high and shout I'm a believer I'm a believer, I'm a believer, hallelujah a number of years ago 
I was attending the general council of the Sims of God in Baltimore, Maryland. And it was on a Saturday night. I was getting ready to go to the, the convention center. As I was beginning to walk out the door, the Lord says, call Jean. Nebez, my oldest sister. He said, call Jean. She needs a miracle. And I said, Lord, I'll call her later on. I'll call her tomorrow. He said, call her right now. Call her now, now, now. When God says now, what does it mean? Now. He said, call her now. She needs a miracle. Now, she just moved from Atlanta, Georgia. I mean, from Savannah, Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia. About three weeks before this, and I had not talked to her since she moved. But the Lord said, call her, she needs a miracle. And so I picked up my phone. I called my older sister, Jean. She answered the phone. And I said, hey, sis. She said, hey. I said, what's going on? She said, nothing. I said, sis, what's going on? Because the Lord told me to call you because you need a miracle. And she starts said, I do, I do. I said, what's going on? She said, it's over, it's over, it's over, it's too late. It's over, it's over, it's too late. She said that several times, it's over, it's over. It's over. What are you talking about, sis? Because the doctor told me I'm eating with cancer all through my vital organs. He told me I've got a short time to live. It's over. The doctor said, it's too late, it's over, it's over. I said, who told you that? Did God tell you that? She didn't know what the doctor did. I said, we're going to believe God's report, not his report. Because the Bible tells us in Job 33 that God is greater than man. She said, what do we do? I said, let me pray you just hold on. And I began to pray the prayer of faith. I began to pray for my sister. I believe in God to turn things around for her. When I finished praying, I said, Sis, I know you just moved here from Savannah to Atlanta. Have you got yourself, have you found a good church yet? She said, Not yet. I've been so weak in the body, not even, I can't even get out of bed. I'm so weak and tired. She said, I don't know where any good churches are. Can you recommend a good church in the greater Atlanta area? Any other time I could recommend it just off the cuff, a dozen great churches, friends of mine. But when she said that, guess what? My mind went blank. I couldn't say a word. I couldn't say a word. That was a miracle. I couldn't say a word. I couldn't think of the first church, the first pastor. But I looked back at my open briefcase. And there in my briefcase, <clears throat> somebody given me a mailing list. Follow the full gospel of Pentecostal, charismatic tongue talking churches in the greater Atlanta area. Coincidence? I think not. I still had it there in my briefcase after several months, and I pulled it. It was all listed by zip codes. I said, "Sis, what is your zip code?" She told me. I came to that zip code and began to go down the list of churches and pastors. I did not know any, but all of a sudden, one it leaped off the page at me. I said, "Sis, I don't know this pastor. I don't know nothing about this church." But I feel impressed the Lord. You need to go check it out. She said, who's the pastor? What's the name of the church? I said, it's Reverend Guy Howell at the Living Word Assembly of God. She said, I know where the church is. It's just a couple of miles down the road from us. I said, good. You need to be there tomorrow for the services. She said, I can't do it. I said, why not? Because everybody's going back to Savannah to pick up the roots of our furniture belongings. I said, okay. I said, they got service on Wednesday. Be there Wednesday. I can't do it because everybody's working. I said, okay. Why don't you be there next Sunday morning? 
She said, I believe I'll try to make it then. I said, remember, it's the living word of sin of God with Pastor Guy Howard. She said, I'll try to make it. Well, I left the motel room, got on the elevator. Elevator went down to the lobby. The doors opened up. I stepped off the elevator. All of a sudden, a friend of mine, a pastor from Mississippi, said, Danny, come here in just a moment. I walked through there. He said, Danny Johnson, I want to introduce you to one of my closest friends, business pastor, Guy Howell, who pastors the living word of sin of God in Atlanta, Georgia. Whew. I said, Pastor, you're not going to believe what I'm about to tell you. I told him what happened. He said, that sounded like Jesus to me. He said, I won't be at my church tomorrow. I'll be here for the, the council. And I won't be there Wednesday. I'll be driving the boy back home. But I'll be back at my church next Sunday morning. Woo. I said, I've got to go back upstairs and call my sis. Lord said, leave it alone. Don't mess it up. I was so tempted I was so tempted all week to call her, but like most people, I can resist anything but temptation. Come on now. <laughs> but all week long, the Lord said, don't do it, don't do it. And so the following Sunday morning, my, my sister was so weak, could not stand up by herself. And so my niece and nephew went with her, took her to the house of God, and they came walking that Sunday morning. Now. And the pastor was there. He said, good morning, good morning. I'm Pastor Guy Howell. She said, well, good morning. I'm Mrs. Jean Tate. He said, yes, you are. And this is your son, Bob. This is your daughter, Susan. You live around Starcourt. You just moved from Savannah. And she was saying, he's good, he's good, he's good. <laughs> she thought that was the Holy Ghost. He said, did he realize what she was thinking? He said, no, no, no. That's not the Lord giving me revelation about you. Better met your brother last Saturday. He told me all about you. He told me you're planning to be here this week. And all week long, our prayer teams have been praying for your miracle. All week long, they've been interceding for you to have a physical breakthrough. But one more thing, that morning he didn't preach, but he had a guest speaker. One man was given up to die of cancer, but Jesus appeared to him and he was supernaturally healed. You can't put those things together, but God can. And with this guest speaker, when he finished his testimony, he said, before we pray for anybody else to be healed of any other condition or saved or set free, if you're here today, you've got cancer in your body. I want you to get out of the seat and come from. There must have been a thousand people that morning there. If there's one person, two, three, four, whatever, you get cancer coming, guess how many people came to the front? One. My sister, what are you saying? If God has a set of a service just for you on a Sunday night in June, he'll do it because that is how much he loves you. And so my sister came up to the front. And this man, he was a layman. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. The Bible says that you'll have hands upon the sick and they shall recover. All of a sudden he reached over and laid his hands softly upon my sister. And she went flying. She went on the party. Now she, now, she don't do that. Come on now. I mean, Catherine Kuhlman prayed for her. She didn't go down. Benny Hinn blew on her. She didn't go down. Come on now. Oh. I mean, she won't give anybody a CD. That's a courtesy drop. Come on now. And so he barely touched her. Woo! Man, if you said, Uncle Danny, you should have been there. I went flying. Woo! And she lay on the floor. The Lord said, my daughter, get up. You're healed. You're healed. But Lord, I've got the cancer. You're healed. Get up. No, you're not. You're healed. Get up. And she was so wicked. He said, get up. But all of a sudden, she started to push herself up. So wicked. But she began to make that effort. All of a sudden, the supernatural strength of God touched her. She arose. She arose completely healed in the name of the Lord. Come on, shout, amen. And guess what? 
The service was better for her than Sunday morning. It's for you tonight. Come on, shout amen. Raise your hands up and shout, do it again, do it again, do it again, do it again, do it again. How about you just give me five more minutes? Let me see your hands. Five more minutes. Five, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. But I was preaching a number of years ago in Little Rock, Arkansas. I met a man there by the name of Gene Mullinex. He said, can I tell my testimony to you? He said, by means, what is it? He said, many, many years ago, he said, I was driving to work and I saw this big old gospel tent in the Canvas Cathedral. I saw a huge sign saying, the blind see, the deaf hear, the cripples walk, Reverend A. A. Allen. And Gene Mellonex told me, he says, that's a bunch of nonsense. This man's a fake, this man's a phony. He drove by that tent every day for about two weeks. He said, this man's a fake, this man's a phony. I'm going to prove to the world this man's a fake, this man's a phony. But you see, Gene needed a miracle himself because a number of years before that, he was an automobile wreck. And they removed his left lung. And they removed several ribs from that side of his body. Because the lungs were removed, the ribs were removed, he kind of walked stooped over and had a, a drainage tube that came. He'd have to change the bandage every couple of days. And so he's, I'm going to prove to the world he's a fake, he's a phony. He comes out there that night and he's able to get in the prayer line. And Gene is there. I've been proved to the world this man's a phony. It's not real. It's not real. But Gene looked in front of him. There was a mom that had a, whole, a little baby about a year old. And that little baby had a huge, huge cancerous growth on the side of his face about the size of a small orange. And Gene says, that baby can't fake anything. That baby can't fake anything. I'm going to keep my eyes on that baby. So the baby... And the parents were in front of Gene, Reverend Allen. He said, Mom and Dad, bring the baby now. He said, Folks, God's going to touch this baby. I'm not going to touch the baby. God's going to touch the baby. He raised his hand to heaven and said, Oh, God, take away this cancer right now from off this baby's face. And Gene said, I have my eye on that baby's face. And all of a sudden, that cancer about the size of a large arm starts shrinking down, down, down to the size of a plum. Down, down, down to the size of a grape. Down, down, down to the size of a raisin. And it fell off on the floor. Oh, come on, shout amen. Oh, he said, Lord, I believe. I believe. It's real. It's real. It's real. And he said, go your way. They took the baby away. He said, next, Gene stepped up there in front of the man of God. The man of God said, you've come tonight as an unbeliever. But God has turned your life around. You're a believer. Yes, yes. He said, get ready, my brother, because God's going to give you a new lung. God's going to give you new ribs. God's going to touch your body. And the power of God hit Gene Mullinex. And guess what happened? God gave him a brand new lung. God gave him brand new ribs. He woke up, and that plastic tube somehow had dissipated. It's all from his body. Come on, shout it. Oh, let me tell you, he's a mighty God. Come on, somebody. I said, he's a mighty God. You believe that? Come on, somebody. Raise your hands up high. It doesn't matter whether the sickness may be, the disease, the pain, the infirmity, the malady, the malfunction, the infection, or the malignancy. My God is a mighty God. He said, I am the Lord, the healer thee. He said, I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. Hallelujah. He said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. If you're ready, if you're ready, raise your hands up high and shout, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I feel the anointing of God. I feel the anointing of God. Oh, so strong. Hallelujah. Oh, glory, glory, glory.